Welcome back to the Home Sell MMA Podcast. Sean Van Buren here for episode 24. Shout out to all the listeners or homies checking this out right now. I appreciate all of you. And today we're talking about the upcoming UFC Fight Night, Cater vs. Allen. Before we dive into that, it's time for the rapid recap of last Saturday, UFC 280, Oliveira vs. Makachev. Let's go. Excellent night of fights. Another title defense in the bantamweight division that is coming with some unfortunate circumstances and a whole lot of matchups are to be made in the lightweight division. Let's dive into this rapid recap. Starts us off with Carol Rosa versus Lena Landsberg. Landsberg had nice lateral movement early, dropped Rosa with a faint left right hand straight jab momentarily, and Landsberg actually did pretty well against the cage with control. But then Rosa would get an easy takedown, and the fight would turn right on its head. Lena was living in Rosa's world on the ground, and Rosa landed some decent ground and pound. Very interesting start to the card for us with big moments for each fighter, and that was a trend that we hope to see carry through the day. I told you last week that Lena Landsberg had to keep the fight standing if she wanted to win, and the takedowns by Rosa made the difference just like I said they would. Carol Rosa did land excellent strikes as well and it was all Rosa for the decision win. Mohamed Makayev versus Malcolm Gordon. These fighters started off super fast, lots of pressure, lots of strikes. Mohamed Makayev looked really good on the feet, very sharp. He hit a variety of strikes, and then he got the fight to the ground where he is one of the best in the world for the flyweight division. His wrestling is outstanding, but what we learned here is that Gordon is very good with jiu-jitsu on the ground as well. He was able to survive multiple takedown attempts in the first two minutes of this fight. This was an excellent ground war between these two fighters. I told you last week that the wrestling and jiu-jitsu of Makayev would be too much for Gordon to handle in this fight, and that kind of proved to be true, but only offensively. Malcolm Gordon had some incredible reversals and started to pour on his own offense on the ground. It was very impressive on the ground. We had not seen Makayev get controlled on the ground just yet in the UFC, and Malcolm Gordon brought it late in round two and in round three. Mohamed Makayev took offense to that, got top position in round three with about a minute left, and he got the very late armbar submission win to end the fight. Excellent ground game fight between these two fighters. Armin Petrosian versus AJ Dobson followed that, and I said last week, that I thought Dobson would have a slight advantage in wrestling, and he did use it just a tad in this fight. Even though he wants to strike, that was very smart to keep Armin on his toes with the takedown threat. Armin Petroisian really showed his kickboxing background with a lot of kicks to go along with various striking combos. It was really quite excellent. He would throw strikes from many different angles. Armin threw also many more strikes than AJ Dobson which made the difference in this fight because it was mostly a kickboxing affair. Armin Petrosian earned the decision win in this one. Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov versus Gadzi Omargadziev. Wrestling was the story of this fight. I told you that would be the case last week on last episode of the podcast, and these fighters got to grappling right away, and it was a very patient fight. I told you last week that Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov would win this fight with his control and his wrestling, but that Gadzi Omargadziev would be durable enough to not be finished, and that's exactly what we saw in this fight. It was striking on the feet just to set up wrestling, and Gadziev really needs to keep working on his wrestling defense because he was taken down, controlled, 
and very visibly fatigued by round three. Abu Bakr Nurmagomedov wrestled and controlled his way to a decision win. Volkan Uzdemir versus Nikita Krylov. Volkan Uzdemir had sharp, powerful striking immediately in this fight. He was landing some clean combos. And I told you last week that Krylov would get finished on the feet if he couldn't get this fight to the ground, where I then thought Krylov would be able to find the submission finish. Uzdemir looked really big in there compared to Krylov, but that didn't keep Krylov from attacking with wrestling. At one point later in round one, Krylov was landing a nice constant striking combos, ran him across the cage, and actually knocked down Uzdemir. We were watching an absolute brawl. This was a very exciting fight for the fans. I told you last week that I was leaning Krylov to win with submission or fight to not go the distance, and Krylov almost found a rear naked choke in round one. This was an excellent fight. It's why we didn't bet this fight. I saw too many potential outcomes when breaking down this matchup last week. I thought it was excellent matchmaking. And the wild start to this fight, all of the wrestling really started to make these fighters tired midway through round two. As you start to fatigue, even more possibilities are put on the table for how a guy might get finished. Surprisingly, we did go the distance in this fight, but Krylov got the decision win. Mahmoud Muradov versus Chao Bohalio. Another excellent, exciting match if you're willing to watch some grappling on the ground. Both fighters had big moments, and this was the hardest test for Bahalio in the UFC so far. Really even and exciting fight with some nice kicks and the expected grappling war. Each time they hit the mats, it was really thrilling because they were going for immediate submissions, and then escaping submissions, then more grappling for position. Very tactful movements for both fighters on the ground. I was very impressed with Mahmoud Moradov's wrestling. Uh, Chao Bahalio has manhandled fighters with his wrestling in the past. But Muradov flowed pretty great on the ground and got multiple takedowns in top control position himself. Really a great fight, very even matchup, and Kyle Bahalio got the decision win. The prelims ended with the highly anticipated Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady fight. Sean Brady seemed to have the speed advantage on the feet early, and Bilal had this issue I noticed where he needed to move his head off of the center line when trying to dodge shots. He kept taking his head straight back instead of slipping left or right, and it got him caught a few times early. That long jab of Sean Brady was still finding his mark when he was just moving his head straight back. This was really a very fun fight. I thought Bilal Muhammad would have the advantage on the feet and the striking, but Sean Brady landed more clean strikes on the feet, especially in those kickboxing exchanges. Bilal had constant forward pressure in this fight, and it seemed like he was trying to use his cardio pressure to wear down Sean Brady. Late in round two, Bilal Muhammad landed a massive right hook and started to unload with constant striking. He used his cardio as a weapon, and Sean Brady was wobbled on his feet. Bilal Muhammad never let him gather himself. He was pouring it on, and the ref jumped in to stop this fight by TKO. Bilal won exactly how I told you that he would last week. I said if he could stop the takedowns of Sean Brady, he would win with his striking on the feet. Once he landed that one big shot, he unloaded with striking cardio to get the win. We held off on betting this fight because I loved over one and a half rounds, but only sort of liked fight to go the distance. thought there was a chance this fight would end late, and I'm happy with our decision because over one and a half rounds was such a huge favorite that I didn't feel like I missed out on that much of a profit by leaving that bet on the table. That led us into the excellent pay-per-view main event, 
with Caitlin Chukagian versus Manion Ferro kicking off the pay-per-view card. Kickboxer versus Karate Striker, very exciting matchup. Both women used a wide variety of strikes, high, low, punches, kicks, lots of movement, lots of feints. It was a good start to the pay-per-view because there was a lot of tension in this fight since they were both slinging kicks around, and you felt that one clean head kick could end this fight at any point in time. This was a great stand-up fight, very technical, very fast striking, no wasted actions or movements with these two ladies. Loved this start to the pay-per-view. Firo got better and better as the fight went on, and she did end up getting the win, just like I told you she would on last week's episode of the podcast. It also ended as a decision, which is how I told you this fight would end no matter what. Benil Daryush versus Mateusz Gamrot. This fight was exciting right away because Gamrot wanted to wrestle early, and Daryush is very skilled on the ground, and they were rolling all over the mats. The cardio for these two fighters is extremely high level, and they are willing to grapple attack each other like crazy. The positions that these fighters were getting into were very complex. I pride myself on having a pretty good understanding of what was happening on the ground, but even I needed the announcers a bit here to really see just how intricate the chess match was on the ground between these two fighters. It was an incredibly close fight, very even fighters, great matchmaking. Darius showed an excellent ability to either stuff the takedown attempts of Gamrot or counter them to try to get on top himself. So it's really turned into more of a stand-up fight a little bit as they negated the ground attack. They were pretty even on the feet too, I thought, but Dariush maybe his output was just a little bit more. He landed a masses overhand right that dropped Gamrot in the third round. I also felt that the judges may have given him some points for stuffing as many takedowns as he did. I know that isn't technically in the scoring criteria right now, but I don't hate that if it was added. If we're going to count wrestling takedowns towards points, maybe we should really count wrestling defense as well. Daryush got the decision win, and honestly, I thought that was just a great fight. Piotr Jan versus Sean O'Malley. I told you last week how much longer Sean was compared to Jan, and you could immediately see it in the cage. Jan fights with so much forward pressure, though, he shrunk O'Malley's reach advantage almost immediately, and Jan had really a great strategy of throwing those low calf kicks but Sugar Sean would make sure to inflict damage back right away because he would counter the low calf kicks with multi-punch combos whenever he could. So he would unfortunately still kind of take those calf kicks, but he would return the favor fourfold with a bunch of striking, a bunch of combos. I tell you what though, Jan is really fast, and Sugar Sean O'Malley looked a little faster to start this fight. To be that long and that fast with your striking is incredibly impressive. Jan's high guard seemed to be a problem for O'Malley a bit for me as I was watching this fight because Sean does like to headhunt. Sugar Sean has some elite head movement himself though for defense. So this is one of those really excellent fights where both of them were seemingly defending pretty well. Sugar Sean O'Malley is one of the best in the division at slipping shots. He has excellent head movement. And round two was just as awesome as round one. Particularly round two was awesome because both fighters started to land massive power shots clean, and they each stunned each other within a minute of the second round. That round was fantastic. That was really a fantastic fight. The fight was much closer than I anticipated on paper. Jan should have won easily, but O'Malley showed that he deserves to fight with the elite and won a very tight decision. When O'Malley starts throwing combos, he really does a great job at finding holes in the guard of his opponents. He likes to throw a long shot, 
watch his work every now and then, but his combo work is really where he's elite in my opinion. He loves those those knockouts where he gets to walk it off. He hits the guy with his one shot, walks off because he knows that guy's done. But really when Sean lets the hands go, he's quite excellent and accurate with his combo striking. And if he continues to do that, he will continue to be a problem for the division. Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. Finally, we had our first championship fight of the night in the bantamweight division. TJ was aggressive with his striking early in this fight, which allowed Aljo to catch a kick and get a takedown early. That is the home of Aljamain Sterling. We knew heading into this fight that he was one of the best fighters on the ground in this division, and he went to work right away, unloading vicious ground and pound. TJ gave up his back, and Aljo went to work on a rear naked choke with over two and a half minutes left in the round. It was all Sterling in round one, with complete domination on the ground, easy 10-8 for Sterling, maybe a 10-7 round, absolute domination. Now to touch on what we all saw. It did look like TJ hurt his left arm with the initial takedown to start round one, and it became evident when they came up to the feet late in round one that Dillashaw's left shoulder was dislocated and popped out. Between rounds, Dillashaw's coaches were able to actually pop it back in, which is really just amazing corner work. Apparently, Dillashaw came into this fight with a pre-existing injury, as we learned while listening to the fight unfold. That really sucked to hear because it really put a damper on this championship fight, and it dramatically changed the chance of success for TJ against a current champion, and when you're trying to take the champ's belt away, you know he's going to fight for his life to hold on to it, and we realized that TJ was an injured animal going into the lines then. Aljamain Sterling is just too good to lose to a fighter at less than 100%. The left arm popped out again in round two, and it was clearly a major problem. Aljamain Sterling unloaded punishment in this fight and was able to finish the fight in round two by TKO, because frankly TJ Dillashaw just really couldn't defend himself with the injured left shoulder. But that led us to the main event fight that we had all been waiting for, the championship fight of the lightweight division, Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. The fight we've been waiting for, the fight that had all the hype behind it all year. As soon as it was booked, this was exciting, and we knew that someone was getting finished. I knew that Oliveira fought with no fear, and he was a former champion, but we saw early in this fight that Islam Makachev was not worried about this spot being too big for him. He was ready for this opportunity, he was confident right away, and he fought like a number one title challenger who wanted that belt. The fight hit the ground within one minute of this fight, and that was actually extremely exciting because of the jiu-jitsu threat of Oliveira on the ground and the aggressive mauling style of wrestling that Islam Makachev learned out of the Khabib Nurmagomedov camp. This is a very exciting grappling fight because I thought that Makachev would be a little tentative to fight on the ground with Oliveira, but he truly was not afraid. He went for takedowns when they were available. He landed great ground-and-pound striking. Makachev also was very excellent at striking on the feet, too. And he dropped Oliveira with a right hook and immediately jumped on top into an arm triangle submission. The new lightweight champion of the world, Islam Makachev, he couldn't have done it more impressively. He submitted the greatest submission fighter in UFC history with former champion Charles Oliveira. Islam Makachev will be a tough fight for many in the lightweight division as the champion. Dana White mentioned that the winner of this championship could be fighting current featherweight champion and pound-for-pound pound number one in the world, 
Alexander Volkanovsky. We'll see if that happens next, as Volkanovsky wants a shot at that lightweight title. That wraps up the rapid recap. It was truly a great night, or actually day, <laughs> when you consider when these fights started for us on the East Coast. The fights were over in Abu Dhabi, so these East Coast fights were during the day on Saturday, but UFC 280 was excellent, and I do believe that it lived up to the height. A little disappointing in the Bantamweight Championship, but unfortunately that belt just kind of has some of those trends with it. Someone has to break those trends. We'll see what happens, but let's go ahead and take a look at how our bets did. We've now had back-to-back -back good weekends of betting in the UFC, which is very exciting. Let's go ahead and take a look fight by fight. Carol Rosa versus Lena Landsberg, fight to go the distance, minus 250 win. Mohamed Mikhaev versus Malcolm Gordon, Mohamed Mikhaev by finish, minus 230 win. Armin Petrosian versus AJ Dobson, fight to not go the distance, minus 275 was our first loss of the night. Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov versus Gadzi Omargadziev, fight to start round three at minus 250 was a win. Zubaira Tukov versus Lucas Almeida was actually fight canceled. Um, it was a fight that we were not going to bet anyways, so no worries there. Volkan Uzdemir versus Nikita Krylov. This is another fight that we did not bet. I liked Krylov, as I mentioned on last week's episode of the podcast. I did also like fight to not go the distance. It's a good thing we let it go because Krylov did get the win, but I was leaning more fight to not go the distance. Mahmoud Muradov versus Chao Bahalio. Over one and a half rounds was a going back for more two-unit bet at minus 235 for the win. Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady. There's so much I liked here. I really loved over one and a half rounds, but that was a huge favorite at minus 500. So we just didn't bet it. We played it safe. It wasn't worth the risk to me. I also liked fight to go the distance, but I didn't love that. I really liked over one and a half rounds. Thankfully, we left it alone. It would have just barely won at over one and a half rounds, but ultimately for the payout and the risk, I was fine with leaving it on the table. The UFC main card, Caitlin Chukagian versus Manon Fiodo. Fight to go the distance at minus 305 was a win. Benil Dariush versus Mateusz Gamrot. Over one and a half rounds was a going back for more two-unit bet at minus 375 for a win. Piotr Jan versus Sean O'Malley. Fight to start round three. Minus 295 win. Then the championship fights, we hit a little bit of some bumps in the road. We had Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillashaw. We took the over three and a half rounds because we, nobody knew that TJ Dillashaw was hurt. I really wish he had not taken this fight or pulled out because as betters, we don't know that information. We go in thinking he's healthy. That was a loss big time. Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev was a two-bet fight for us. We went under three and a half rounds at minus 225. That was a win. And we did do Charles Oliveira money line because I was tired of doubting the former champion, Charles Oliveira. It was plus 140, had to take him as an underdog, but we did lose that one. All in for the UFC, though. Great night. We were up 0.76 units. We went 8-3. and three. Our going back for more two-unit bets went 2-for-2. Two two. For the Homestyle Perfect Plate Parlay, we had Mahmoud Murdov versus Chao Bahalio over 1.5 rounds. Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady over 1.5 rounds. And again, TJ Dillashaw just absolutely killed us. We had Aljamain Sterling versus Dillashaw over 2.5 rounds, which lost at plus 116 because TJ Dillashaw went into this fight injured, and obviously we were not aware of that. So all in, 
a good night of betting for the UFC. Would have been nice to hit just a little bit more on the co-main and main event, but hey, we were positive and we will always take that. Let's take a look at how we did on Verdict and give out some podcast awards. Not a great night on Verdict for us. We had no medals in this one. We had the wrong winner in each of the big three fights from the pay-per-view on this past Saturday. You probably noticed we did a lot of gambling with rounds over unders. That's because I thought these matchups were pretty close, so we went that route instead. That's why we had a good night gambling, but not a great night on Verdict. We'll look to bounce back next weekend and try to get ourselves another medal. For the Homestyle MMA Podcast Awards, even though this was a pay-per-view event, they actually didn't have early prelims, which I thought was a little odd. So we're going to start with the mac and cheese UFC prelims performance of the night. That is going to none other than Bilal Muhammad. He handed Sean Brady his first ever loss as a pro, and he did it by knockout, which is very different than his typical fight style. This was his first knockout win since 2016, and only his second finishing win in that span as well. Our Chicken and Dumplings UFC main card performance of the night is going to Islam Makachev. He submitted the greatest submission fighter in UFC history, and he deserves that recognition. A lot of people also viewed this as Charles Oliveira's title, and he showed up and took the belt home with him. So big shout out to Islam Makachev. It'll be interesting to see how long he can hold on to that title, but there's a lot of guys left for him to fight in the top 10 of the lightweight division, so it will be very exciting. All right. That finishes up UFC 280 in its entirety. Let's go ahead and look forward to UFC Fight Night Cater versus Allen. If you made it this far into the podcast, I want to take a moment to thank you guys. I got started really late on this episode. It's almost 10 o'clock on Wednesday night. As you know, these come out Thursday morning, so I'm not doing a lot of editing here. We're doing a dry run podcast i'm splicing it together and getting it out so it may not be our best quality and i do want to apologize to you for that but unfortunately my wife's car broke down just two days ago and i spent the last several nights finding her temporary transportation getting her car to a mechanic and trying to take care of my family from that aspect so bear with me we got the car getting worked on now and i'm hoping that next week i can record a little bit earlier that way I can do my edits appropriately and get you the best possible podcast. So, let's go ahead, UFC prelims for this upcoming Saturday. They're going to start at 4 o'clock on Eastern Standard Time with Christian Rodriguez versus Joshua Weems. These fighters are similar in size. Weems is making his UFC debut on a two-fight win streak after actually being knocked out on Dana White's Contender Series. Weems has nine submissions in his 10 pro wins, but no knockouts, and he has been knocked out twice. Rodriguez lost his UFC debut by decision against the very talented Jonathan Pierce. Six of his eight pro wins have been by finish. Rodriguez is a more well-rounded MMA fighter, I would say, but he was manhandled on the ground in his UFC debut loss, and that is where Joshua Weems wants this fight to take place. If Weems is able to get a few takedowns, then I think that this fight will be similar to Rodriguez's UFC debut which is bad for him, but good for Weems, so I think we'll get his hand raised. Cody Durden versus Carlos Mota. These fighters are also similar in size. Durden won his last fight, but he is 2-2-1 in the UFC. Durden utilizes a very wrestling-heavy attack, averaging 4.24 takedowns per fight. 
Mota is making his UFC debut. He's on a two-fight win streak, including winning the championship in LFA. We don't know a ton about Mota otherwise. He's 4-1 by knockout, and his last three fights have ended by knockout one way or the other. I think Cody gets his wrestling going in this one, and he gets the win with his ground game because he can be overwhelming in that aspect of MMA. Chase Hooper versus Steve Garcia. This is a very interesting matchup to me. We've watched Chase Hooper kind of grow up in the octagon as he's now making his sixth UFC appearance at just 23 years old. He won his last fight and he is 3-2 in the UFC. Hooper is an absolute wizard on the ground. Incredible jiu-jitsu fighter at such a young age. And Steve Garcia is coming off of a knockout loss and is 1-2 in the UFC. I just think that this is a bad matchup for Steve Garcia. His one UFC win was against a fighter who is now 0-3 in the UFC. Might not even be on the roster anymore. He does have a lot of power with his striking, but Chase Hooper is crafty with takedowns. I think that he will manhandle Steve Garcia on the ground. Chase Hooper has never been finished. This fight will go, I think, over one and a half rounds. But I do think that Chase Hooper will win this fight late by submission. Or maybe by decision, but I really do think that Chase Hooper will find a submission late in this fight. Joseph Holmes versus Jun Young Park. Big size difference here. This is very big. It's got to be very noticeable in the cage. Joseph Holmes is six inches taller, so he's half a foot taller, but he actually has seven inches in reach advantage. So huge, dynamically different sized fighters in this one. Joshua Holmes did lose his UFC debut, but bounced back in his last outing with submission win. Holmes has finished all eight of his pro wins with six of those by submission. Jung Young Park won his last fight and is 4-2 in the UFC. Park is a very interesting fighter. He's basically just a boxing-style striker on the feet, with a lot of punches, mostly just to the head area, but he will mix in a good bit of takedowns and has a strong ground game. So on the feet, mostly boxing-style, but he will mix in some other mixed martial arts. This is a pretty intriguing matchup. I think that Park has to cover a ton of ground to get into his boxing and wrestling ranges, but Joseph Holmes also enjoys fighting on the ground. In his submission win recently, Holmes did get to the finish by scoring a knockdown first on the feet, so he does have good striking with some power. I know Jung Young Park has been a machine in the octagon for the most part so far, but the size of Joseph Holmes I think is just going to be too large for me to ignore in this one. So we're going to take Joseph Holmes to win this fight. Andre Arlovsky versus Marcus Rogerio de Lima. Big boys going at it in this heavyweight battle, with Arlovsky gaining 2 inches in height and reach advantages. Arlovsky is a UFC veteran since 2014, and he's on a 4-fight win streak. Rogerio de Lima is also a UFC veteran since 2014, and he lost his last fight to end a 2-fight win streak. This fight's going to be interesting. I think they will mostly stand and strike on the feet, where I think Arlovsky will have the advantage, but Rogerio de Lima will be very dominant on the ground if he can get it there. Arlovsky has faced mostly striking dominant fighters for the last few years now, and typically Rogerio de Lima fits that mold as well. He mostly sticks to striking, but he has had some success wrestling in the past in a few of his fights. That's going to be a spot where he should utilize that skill, and I think that he will. I think Marcos Rogerio de Lima will win by using his wrestling. I also think this fight will go long because I'm not sure that either fighter packs enough punch on the feet 
to get a knockout at this point in their careers. Our prelims end with Phil Hawes versus Roman Dolidze. Similar in size, Phil Hawes won his last fight by knockout to rebound from a knockout loss himself. He was on a seven-fight win streak prior to that, and Roman Dolidze is on a two-fight win streak and has only lost one fight in his career as a pro. Phil Hawes is a dangerous mix of mixed martial arts. High-volume striker, but he also uses a lot of wrestling to wear down his opponents or get the ground and pound once they hit the ground. It is a pretty similar fight style for Roman Dolice. This fight will involve wrestling, and the winner will be whomever can impose their offensive wrestling while defending the opponent's takedown attempts. They're both going to be a problem in the middleweight division long term. Picking a winner here is going to be very tough. 21 of their combined 26 pro fights have ended by finish. I think Phil Hawes will be a little more powerful in the stand-up fighting, and I really don't know what is going to happen when the wrestling comes out. Truthfully, I am leaning Phil Hawes, and I actually think these fighters are so tough that it might just go over one and a half rounds. That wraps up our UFC Fight Night prelims. Let's take a look at UFC Fight Night main card, Cater versus Allen. Our UFC main card starts us off with Dustin Jacoby versus Khalil Roundtree Jr. A story of two very different UFC careers in this one. Dustin Jacoby is undefeated in seven UFC appearances and has also earned a spot in the UFC with a Dana White's Contender Series win. Roundtree Jr. has bounced back after getting some wins and some losses in the UFC with a total record of 6-4-1. He's currently on a two-fight win streak, both by knockout. Both fighters are not that great on the ground, so I think they're going to stand and kickbox for this entire fight. Roundtree Jr. has really looked great in his last two fights, but it's just hard to pick against a guy who has always looked great since arriving in the UFC. I think Dustin Jacoby gets the win here, but this will be an edge-of-your-seat fight as these large, light heavyweights throw power shots for as long as this fight lasts. I do think Justin Jacoby throws more volume with his striking, and Ranji Jr. likes to wait for opportunities to fire off power shots. I think he will get caught waiting a little too much in this fight, and Jacoby will double him up in striking by the time this fight ends. Josh Fremd versus Treshawn Gore. Josh is four inches taller. He lost his UFC debut in his last fight, and for Treshawn, after fighting on the Ultimate Fighter Season 29, he has also lost his last two UFC fights. Treshawn Gore will use a bit of wrestling in this game, but ultimately he likes to strike. He has a lot of power on the feet, but that sometimes keeps him almost a little tentative to throw strikes because he is looking for that one big strike. I think Josh Fram can use his height to strike from distance, score some points. I think he'll also be more active in his striking. And if Gore does aggressively wrestle, I think that could flip this fight on its head, and I think that Gore has a shot at winning because Josh Fremd was taken down eight times in that UFC debut in his last fight and controlled for over 10 minutes of the 15-minute fight. I think Josh Fremd will do enough on the feet to win this fight, though, and maybe keep it standing just enough to get a win because Gore's going to be looking for that one big shot too much, and he might not wrestle just enough. 
Waldo Cortez Acosta versus Jared Vandera. Similar in size, these are some big boys. Waldo is 7-0 as a pro and making his UFC debut after earning a spot on the roster on Dana White's Contender Series in his last appearance with his third straight knockout win. Vandera has lost four in a row, so interesting matchmaking. 7-0, just one for his third straight knockout win on Dana White's Contender Series, giving him to a guy in the UFC who's lost four in a row, with three of those four by finish. Plain and simple, Jared Vandera has to win if he wants to stay in the UFC, and I like Jared Vandera. I always thought he fought extremely hard, but things have just not gone his way as of late. Both fighters are extremely high volume and power heavy weight hitters. Vandera landed 109 significant strikes in his last fight. I just don't see a world where this fight goes to the judges. Both fighters have too much power, and the big thing with Jared Vandera is his back is against the wall. I think he gets the win here because he has to risk it to stay on the roster, and he will go for broke. Someone in this fight is going to sleep. Tim Means versus Max Griffin. Tim is three inches taller. He had his three-win streak broken his last time out with a submission loss. His last three losses have all been by finish, with the last two coming by submission against high-level strikers. He's five and six all-time by submission. Max Griffin had his three-fight win streak broken in his last fight as well. Griffin's just a hard-hitting striker with knockdowns in each of his last two fights and two knockout wins before that. Tim Means can go for a few takedowns, but I think this fight stays on the feet. Max Griffin has utilized a high-volume leg kick attack in his last few fights. I think those can slow down the movement of Tim Means and line him up for a knockout win late in this fight. That takes us to our UFC main event. Let's go ahead and dive into it. Excellent main event here in the UFC featherweight division. This is a battle of two elite featherweights with Calvin Cater versus Arnold Allen. Cater's three inches taller and has two inches in reach advantage. He's coming off of a split decision loss to Josh Emmett that was fairly questionable, if we're being honest. I had Calvin Cater winning that fight myself. This is Cater's fifth main event in a row, and each of the previous four went the full five rounds. Arnold Allen comes in on an 11-fight win streak, with four of his last five fights also going to a decision. While this is a step up in competition for Allen, I think he's ready for it. Calvin Cater sticks to mostly striking with his attacks, but Allen mixes in wrestling and jiu-jitsu with his striking very efficiently. Allen uses a full MMA approach to his fights. Calvin Cater, while being more of a one-dimensional fighter in his fighting style, at that one dimension of striking, he is exceptionally good at. He is both fast and powerful on the feet. He will have the advantage on the feet against Allen in this fight, but Allen will undoubtedly have the grappling advantage. Over the course of what could be five rounds, I think Allen will use that wrestling to win positions, win points, and ultimately win rounds and win the fight. He's also a smart fighter. If he gets in trouble on his feet striking with Cater, he will just take him down. I think Arnold Allen wins this fight with decent striking, but his grappling making the biggest difference, and with this win, he sets himself up for a title shot very soon with another win to add to his win streak. I think Arnold Allen gets the win in this fight. That wraps up our UFC Fight Night Cater vs. Allen breakdown. 
Let's see where we're going with our bets this upcoming Saturday. As always, please remember to bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. Now, guys, as we've been saying these last few episodes, we're no longer going to bet every single fight. That put me in some positions to make some bets on fights that I just didn't love. And you know what? That's not betting responsibly. We needed to cut that out. So we're only betting fights that I like. We're only betting betting lines that I enjoy as well. And that's a big key. Sometimes we won't bet a fight because what I really think will happen the odds are just too long. It's just not worth the risk, so we're going to let it go. And that's what happened with the Bilal Muhammad fight last weekend. I knew it was going over one and a half rounds, but at minus 500, that's just not worth it. So we did leave it on the table. It did hit, but, you know, I was fine with missing out on a minus 500 bet. Let's start with the UFC prelims. Christian Rodriguez versus Joshua Weems. We're going with Joshua Weems' money line plus 290. Cody Durden versus Carlos Mota. I'm currently leaning Cody Durden, but guys, we're not going to bet this one. I'm always a little iffy when guys are making their UFC debuts because we don't know as much as I would like to know about them, so we won't always bet those fights going forward. This is going to be one of them. Chase Hooper versus Steve Garcia. I like Chase Hooper, definitely. He's under minus 300, which is okay, but I do think he wins by finish, so we're going to wait and see what that line looks like. Please remember to check out the podcast social media pages Saturday morning to see what we were able to grab. So Chase Hooper, possibly by finish, is what I like in that one. Joseph Holmes versus Jun Young Park. We went Joseph Holmes, Moneyline plus 200. Andre Arlovsky versus Marcos Orgerio de Lima. We went with Marcos Orgerio de Lima, minus 230. And Phil Hawes versus Roman Delice. We just didn't bet this one, guys. I... I do feel in my gut that Phil Hawes is going to find a way to get that win, but that's such a close fight. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy that one, so we are not going to bet it as a podcast. Dustin Jacoby versus Khalil Roundtree Jr. Dustin Jacoby, Moneyline, minus 167. Josh Fremd versus Treshawn Gore. Josh Fremd, Moneyline, minus 165. Waldo Cortez Acosta versus Jared Vandera. I pulled the trigger on it, and I went Jared Vandera, Moneyline, plus 175. I think he's too good to not be in the UFC. He's had some bad luck lately, and I, like I said, I like the guy. I want to think he's good enough to stay in the UFC, and a loss will certainly get him out of the organization. I do think fight to not go the distance is pretty much a lock as well. We're not taking that one. It's not available yet, but if you like that, feel free to jump on it. Tim Means versus Max Griffin. We went with Max Griffin, Moneyline, minus 185. And Calvin Cater versus Arnold Allen. I really like over three and a half rounds. That's probably going to be our going back for more two-unit bet. Typically, I try to do at least two of those, but there's nothing that's really jumping out at me on this Saturday. So whatever it is, it's not available yet, but over three and a half rounds in our main event this upcoming Saturday. We're going to put two units on it. I do think Arnold Allen gets the win as well. If that's something that you like, feel free to take it, but we're not taking that as a podcast. For the Homestyle Perfect Plate Parlay, we're going Chase Hooper Moneyline, Marcos Orgerio de Lima Moneyline, and Max Griffin Moneyline for plus 208. Pretty nice odds on that one. That wraps up our bets. Let's go ahead and wrap up the podcast.
as always, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. Like I said, guys, we're doing this episode very fast. We're not doing basically any editing. I apologize a little bit for maybe the lack of quality compared to previous episodes, but had too many personal things going on in life with my wife's car. Just kind of ran out of time. You know, family's going to always come first. I love doing this podcast. I love talking to you all about fights. I love chatting with the homies. But hey, family has to come, family has to come first. And that's just what it is. I will try to get uh, ahead of the game next week. And like I always try to do, I try to give you the best that I can. And we will get back to that as soon as I possibly can. I'll be posting my verdict scorecard predictions prior to the events on social media for the podcast. Please go follow at the Homestyle MMA Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and at Homestyle MMA Pod on Twitter. Check out the Homestyle MMA Podcast.podbean.com for additional information about the podcast. I'll continue to grow our content on social media. We do a really good job getting engagement, guys, so if you want to get involved, feel free to comment on anything. You don't have to agree with what I say either. If you have a different opinion, feel free to let me know. I'd love to talk to you about it. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, and review. Next week, we'll do a rapid recap from this card and preview our next set of fights, which is UFC Fight Night Rodriguez versus Lemos. That'll be going place on November 5th. Should be a very interesting fight with Marina Rodriguez and Amanda Lemos for the women's strawweight division with a lot of heavy implications for the next title challenger. Till next time, this was Sean Van Buren on the Homestyle MMA Podcast. Y'all have a good one.